The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, hour two. Welcome back, everybody. If you didn't get a chance to call in or, or jump on Twitter, by the way, this one of you already tweeted to me basically saying, hey, term limits are what's needed. Once you get term limits in there, you start getting a different breed of politician. You start getting a different breed of individual who says, look, uh, I'm not, my whole life isn't being in government. I'm going to go up there, I'm going to serve, and I'm going to get out because the American people are forcing me to get out. So I'm going to go up there, I'm going to work and then leave. And um, that's part and parcel two of Article 5. There's a push uh, in Article 5 to make one of those addendums to the U.S. Constitution. The biggest one in my mind still is the balanced budget amendment. But a close second is term limits. And you might be able to, to combine term limits with returning the appointment power of the states when it comes to senators instead of direct elections uh and this has been mark levin's big push and i think as the the senate has conducted itself shamefully i'll say that again the united states senate has conducted itself shamefully in the obamacare debate Uh, I think there is good cause and good reason for the first Article 5 convention to deal with balanced budget and the next one, and the next one to deal with the restoration of how we should send senators to Capitol Hill and also the term limits in the same amendment. Uh, I think that'd be a good way to go. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. Mary Ramirez coming up here on the Chris Salcedo show at the bottom of the hour, and also uh, after the break, a buddy of mine from Dallas Fort Worth. His name is Grant Stinchfield, and you guys might have seen him in this report last night from Fox News, as well as our own Dana Lash from the Blaze. TV network here. Listen. They use their media to assassinate real news. They use their schools to teach children that their president is another Hitler. In April, the National Rifle Association, the powerful and controversial nonprofit that advocates for gun ownership rights, posted a minute-long video fronted by NRA spokesperson Dana Lash attacking the left without ever mentioning the Second Amendment. Then came the shooting of House Majority Whip Steve Scalise by a deranged liberal, an event that reignited the debates over political violence. I think a lot of vitriol and invective, I mean, one of, one of the people that went to jail for threats to mate, his mother said, he just watches too much Fox TV. Gee. So, somebody threatened you and went to jail, and the mother said, oh, he watches too much Fox uh-huh. So the man who wielded a weapon and actually nearly killed GOP elected leaders, he just paid too much attention to people like you, Nancy Pelosi. 
He just believed too many people like you, Nancy Pelosi. I mean, if, if, if we're going to cast those stones from our glass houses. By mid-July, in a six-minute video that also made no mention of the Second Amendment, former Navy SEAL and NRA commentator Dom Rasso was blasting Democratic officials for fomenting violence through propaganda. These conditions were common in every radical Islamic country I spent time in over my 12-year career. When the Washington Post noted the NRA's, quote, dark video talking politics, not guns, NRA TV host Grant Stinchfield spent three minutes deriding the paper as fake news. It is. It is the very idea that the NRA can only speak of gun issues, that the NRA cannot condemn unfair treatment of a president or the citizenry or, frankly, the unfair propaganda that is coming out of periodicals such as the Washington Post or the New York Times or others. So they trot out a general assignment reporter, Alex Horton, to call Dom Rosso's video dark. And they tell us we can't have an opinion unless it's about guns. We talk about more than guns because every freedom is connected. If one is threatened, they all are threatened. An Iraq war veteran Horton claimed in a tweet that Stinchfield had issued a warning to him and the Post. Some analysts trace the NRA's shift in messaging to the great political shift of 2016. About that, a warning. What, what was the warning? The warning, it sounds like to me, was, guess what? I'll not be pigeonholed by what you think I can talk about. See, time was, folks, is that American citizens were able to engage in a vast array of subject matter that related directly to their lives, whether it be economic policy, foreign policy, individual rights and liberties, keeping government from usurping those rights and liberties. This was a, a point of open discussion, but somehow our society has been conditioned that only experts in government can talk about government. Only experts. Now, I wonder where they get that. I think our buddy Dana articulated that about them, their schools. I, how many times have we observed that the government-run education system is dominated by liberal progressives who teach this nonsense stay in your lane don't talk about things that you shouldn't let government government is the expert let government tell you what to do you just listen government is good government is great don't be an individual go with the group don't feel like an outsider. That's what our kids are taught in the government-run schools. Independent thinking, discouraged. No longer having a President Barack Obama to campaign against, uh, it wants to send a broader kind of message, conveying an atmosphere where the country is a scary place and implying that you might need guns to protect yourself. NRA officers declined to comment, saying they never discussed their media strategy in public, but the group helpfully emailed us FBI statistics showing 2017 on track to be the biggest year ever for gun sales, Chris. You might have to have a gun to protect yourself. Oh, I, I think the crazed liberal Bernie Sanders supporter proved to many Americans that we need weapons to defend ourselves. As a matter of fact, 
those Republicans on that field were convinced right away as they were sitting ducks as a crazed, liberal, progressive Bernie Sanders supporter was firing at them that it would have been nice if they could have been armed. I think many Americans are starting to see the wisdom of self-defense. We'll talk to Grant Stinchfield. Again, a good friend of mine, I I met him when he was uh, on the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth's uh, news station. He's a reporter. He comes off the news desk. He runs for office. I'm doing national news radio in D.C. And uh, we get him on, and that's when we started our relationship. This was back in 20... Oh, man alive. 2012, I want to say. 2011. And we've been buddies ever since. So, Grant Stinchfield, up next on The Chris Salcedo Show. Be right back. Dismantling liberal ideology, one issue at a time. This is The Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo. When the Washington Post noted the NRA's, quote, dark video talking politics, not guns, NRA TV host Grant Stinchfield spent three minutes deriding the paper as fake news. So they trot out a general assignment reporter, Alex Horton, to call Dom Rosso's video dark. And they tell us we can't have an opinion unless it's about guns. We talk about more than guns because every freedom is connected. If one is threatened, they all are threatened. That's our buddy Grant Stinchfield, uh, featured on Fox News yesterday, everybody. Of course, you know Grant Stinchfield from our sister station, 570 KLIF. Also, as you heard on NRA TV, a former reporter with uh, NBC5 here in town. Hey, Grant, welcome back to the Chris Salcedo Show. That was me talking with Grant a little bit earlier on a Dallas-Fort Worth station here in, uh, in the great state of Texas. So that's when you hear me referencing my conversation about a sister station, there's a, what they call in the business, folks, a duopoly in North Texas. And one station is owned by the same, or two stations, owned by the same company. As a matter of fact, there are several stations owned by um, uh, the same company. But the other ones are, are music and all that kind of stuff. So this is how my conversation went earlier with Grant Stinchfield uh, from, as you heard, 570 KLIF in Dallas-Fort Worth. Oh, Chris, it's great to talk to you, my man. It is, it is uh, a point that is often lost, that those who are gun owners are not single-issue voters. They also pay attention to what's going on around the country with, with taxes and with uh, issues pertaining to national security. And I think you pointed that out beautifully. Yeah, well, absolutely. And for some reason, the Washington Post take offense that, that we don't talk about guns enough when for weeks and years they get offended when we talk about guns too much. And so the reality is that, that we couldn't win in the eyes of the Washington Post. So it was time that we fire back on behalf of five million members of the NRA and behalf of freedom-loving Americans to tell the Washington Post that they are now out of line. The fake news narrative that they're pushing along with CNN and the New York Times has got to stop. And I will tell you, Chris, I know you do it on your show. Uh, We do it over at at 570. And the NRA at NRA TV has now made it our mission 
to expose these left-wing media outlets at every twist and turn, and uh, they're being put on notice. And, and I'm so proud to be able to work for an organization like the NRA um, that has really gotten out on the forefront on this battlefield for truth because it's an all-out war right now uh, on the truth battlefield. And you and I, who used to work in, in television news, uh, and, and you know what, I've been meaning to do this with you in this in this Fox News report yesterday and what you've been doing with the NRA just gave me an excuse to get you on the air to talk about this as well. How far in your estimation has actual journalism fallen in the last eight years? Oh, I will tell you, Chris, and I don't know if, if, if you're like me, but, but now I'm almost embarrassed to say that I worked in mainstream television. It was not as bad. I mean, newsrooms were always filled with liberals, and even over at Channel 5, there are very few uh, conservative-minded folks. My buddy Mike Snyder was one of them. Him and I would get together. There was, there was very few of us. A couple producers who now work at NRA TV came over here. They left Channel 5 too fed up and, and come over here and work where, where we got some real conservative thinking going on. But when you look at the national networks and what has what has happened there, um, where there is no regard for the truth, there is no regard for even the other side to have a dialogue, they, they mix uh, anchor men with commentators, and you can't tell which is which. CNN has made this a specialty, and in the end, the American people are getting duped. And, and so... I couldn't be a part of it anymore, and I went out and started my own business, Chris, and, and doing radio and working for NRA and working over at Cliff. It just, I'll tell you, it's liberating to get out of that cesspool. And this is what passes for honest dialogue these days. And not that, not that Grant and I folks are advocating that conservatism run the editorial uh, decisions at newsrooms. It, I, and I don't want to speak for you, Grant, but I think you would echo this. We just want some equal treatment, some equal fairness. Uh, a, a Tim Russert type of individual that would be able to say, look, I'm going to I'm going to treat both sides equally tough on the issues. And we don't have that anymore. It's 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 a complete bias. Here's Mike Quigley. He's a Democrat from Illinois. He he was on. Where was he at? MSNBS. He was on MSNBS basically saying, hey, if you talk with a Russian, you're talking with Vladimir Putin. Listen to this. I think what we're learning uh, with the Trump junior meeting is when you meet with any Russians, you're meeting with Russian intelligence and therefore President Putin. Now, instead of an of a, an actual news anchor pushing back and saying, wait a minute, come on, Democrats have been meeting with Russians for years. Do you mean to tell me that when you meet, that, that it's impossible for anybody to have a meeting with Russians these days without being directly tied to Vladimir Putin? No, you get, you get mind-numbed robots on the other side, Grant, nodding their head and saying, yeah, Donald Trump collusion with Russia. And you sit there and your jaw drops open to actually marvel these people actually consider themselves grown-ups, much less journalists. Yeah, you know, I wish I would see it on air, the pushback, but even when you talk about diversity in the newsroom, so it doesn't even have to be the story, but Chris, you know, we go into a morning meeting at a TV station, we discuss the stories of the day. If you had one reporter, two reporters who were open to the ideas of conservatism, or at least understood, or maybe were real conservatives themselves, you and I, for instance, in right. the business, our views were the same, we were just unbiased when we put the news on, on TV, but to push back and say, hey, you ever think of this angle, you ever look it from this side of things right now it's a big liberal fest around a, a morning meeting at every tv station across the country there's nobody saying hey you need to take another look at this from the other side of things this is what people are thinking and especially in a place like dallas fort worth this is what our viewers are thinking 
Yeah. Grant Stinchfield, our guest right now, folks, formerly NBC5. He works at 570 KLIF and also with NRA uh, TV. Uh, and you're absolutely right. It's it's. Uh, the, the, the editorial meetings that these newsrooms have these days don't even consider that there is another angle to the news that is that is not of the Democrat persuasion. Uh, tax increases. A Democrat says we must raise taxes. And these people in these newsrooms go, oh, yeah, well, that's 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 natural. Well, wait a minute. What about the Republicans who say you shouldn't be raising taxes or a conservative who says you shouldn't be raising taxes? Oh, no, no, we're not going to cover that angle. And, 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 and I know it sounds ridiculous, but these conversations or lack thereof, Grant, happening today. Chris, they're not happening, and, and so here's what I've, I've firmly come to the conclusion, that these reporters and editors around these newsrooms across the country, especially in, in the national news media, they despise Donald Trump, but it's not really that they hate Donald Trump. You know who they hate, Chris? They, they hate you, and you being all of your listeners, all the listeners at KLF, all of the viewers at NRA TV. They hate us, Chris. They hate us for our freedom. They hate the cars we drive. They hate the pickup trucks that, that you drive in. They hate the fuel that you burn. Most of all, they hate that we own guns. They can't stand it. They can't stand that we love the Constitution and stick up for freedom. They hate it. So their attacks against Donald Trump and the media are really an attack against every one of your listeners out there because that's the ones they're really going after, and they're just using Donald Trump as the bullseye. Uh, last thing I have for you. Uh, today we've been talking with a theme about understanding the Democrat side of the aisle is is the problem. And and we have been told the solution was was electing uh, the Republican Party. We They control the House, the Senate, and the White House. Uh, give me your reflections on the fact they can't seem to get any of the people's business done, repealing Obamacare, tax reform, any of it. Well, I don't know what I could say that you haven't already said, I'm sure, that, that they should be ashamed of themselves, that for seven years they've been talking about a full repeal. What is the problem here? The f truth is moderate Republicans actually support the entire idea of Obamacare. They don't want to overturn it, and so now we're stuck with this. And, and the fact is I don't think the American people even know what they want right now. I mean, they're told 18 million different things, six ways to Sunday. The American people are confused about what's right and what's wrong, so you can't really go off of polls from that. The bottom line is, the whole thing needs to be repealed and start over. But if they can't come up with a plan in seven years, how are they going to do it in two years to phase out current Obamacare? Uh, it's a complete disaster, and all it makes me think is the people that have been running Washington for so long, these elitists, they've all got to go, and we've got to just start over with fresh blood, people like you and, and me and, and our listeners to, to go in there and think for the people. It's the people's house, and it's no longer being run that yeah, way. Yeah, how about this? How about a government of, by, and for the people? Grant Stinchfield, everybody. You can hear his program, 570 KLIF. You can see him on NRA TV. He's a former, a, a reformed journalist, let's put it that way, and uh, a, a man who knows exactly what journalism ought to be. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you being here on the Salcedo Show. Thanks, Chris. Great, great being on. All right, that's how it went. Earlier today, good buddy, and, and, you know, he knows how far journalism has fallen, folks. All right, Mary Ramirez pays a visit to the Chris Salcedo Show coming up next. You're listening to the Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze on the Blaze Radio Network.
Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, I'm staring at 100 degrees where I'm at in the country, folks, in in, uh, in Texas. Mary Ramirez is on on the line with me talking, oh, it's 90 degrees up here. I'm just sweltering. And Such a jerk. Uh, well, well, I know, but come, come, cry <laughs> me a river. Where is, the, here's the world's smallest violin. It's playing for you. Okay. As uh, I explained off uh, air, so uh, everyone can hear. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> go ahead. 14,000 plus lakes up here. The humidity is unbearable. And when you don't have air conditioning, and by the way, I when I'm pregnant, um, it's worse. <laughs> Well, go jump so in the lake then. Oh my gosh, you're such a jerk. <laughs> I set you up for that. So you walked right to go jump in the lake, Mary Ramirez. I did, I did, I did. Uh, Fine. Welcome. Happy Friday. Did you get the <laughs> Happy AC? Happy Friday. Got the AC fixed, yes? We did, nice. finally, yes. You know, oh my goodness. I, I, I come to you to, 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 you know, bear my heart and, oh, I'm suffering. And you make fun. <laughs> Boy, man. I wasn't making, it was just a little uh, 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 f- fun ribbing. How about that? We'll just call it that. Fine. Fine, uh, fine. So, hey, uh, what is on your radar screen this week? Well, Chris, I think it was Tuesday of, the, of this week. You had played uh, portions of that video that Campus Reform had put out where <clears throat> these guys, <clears throat> excuse me, allergies are bad too, mm. where these, these guys and gals went around uh, campus, I think, in D.C. and asked these college millennials what they thought about socialism. Of course, they all loved it. And So secondly, wait a minute. How- a- again, the Salcedo Show has provided you with inspiration. Yes. I, it know- has. It's miraculous. You know what? <laughs> If I had a dollar for every single time I have heard that from from scholars and from uh, uh, pe- scholar people of influence all over this country, they, they have heard the Chris Salcedo show and they have been inspired to put something down on paper or to revolutionize an, an idea that they have had, I probably would have about a dollar. So, um, hey. yeah. So- it's it's true. It's true. It gets the juices flowing. You know, for those who don't know, I do work a full time job, so I'm sitting there in the office and I'm working and I'm printing and I've got the headphones in my ear and you've got the juices going. You know, it gets me thinking. And so yes, I do credit your show. Very nice. Um, you would be the only with one. Influence. <laughs> uh, so uh, so you got to thinking you, the, the the snowflakes yeah. on college campuses who love socialism and know what the hell it is. Well, that's the fun part. They ask, they get asked to define it. They all think it's a great idea, and they want our country to implement it, but then they, you know, they can't actually define it. I think there was like what one who could sort of define it, but not even really. But anyway, so I started thinking about that because of um, what's been in the news these last well several years now with Venezuela, and so thinking about that, and I started looking into okay, well, what what percentage of our country, the, the millennials in this next generation, my generation, what percentage actually support socialism? 69% of American millennials would support a socialist president. Wow. And I just, I mean, my job was on the floor because, well, it's, it, it was on the floor because I understand socialism and so do you, but I guess it shouldn't be on the floor because of the way that our, our academic institutions present socialism as something, you know, akin to Mother Teresa and Santa Claus and, and happiness all rolled into one one thing. But anyway, so so as I said, I started to think about this in the context of Venezuela. And so I thought that I would challenge readers with this question, and that is, could Venezuela ever happen here? And and for those who, I mean, I'm sure everyone listening to your show understands what's going on in Venezuela, but it's an absolute hellhole. I mean, even finding things as simple as toilet paper and, and diapers is miraculous. It's, it's really terrible. But, but anyway, could that ever happen here? 
And and I know it, it sounds to so many people, you know, to be far-fetched and insane, especially given that by and large, we've all lived in freedom the entire time we've, you know, we've been a country. And so we sort of watch the rest of the world and kind of assume that, you know, that that could never be us. But when you look at what socialism does and its natural progression, communism, um, and, and what it prescribes in its purest form, which is what exactly what we're seeing in Venezuela and exactly what we see in every other country where it's ever been tried. And you couple that with the fact that so many young people here think that they like this ideology. Why would our fate as a country experimenting with true socialism, well, why would it be any different? And I would venture to say that it, it wouldn't. And the thing is, I know that we're not sort of teetering on the edge of Venezuela right now. I mean, we're, we're more closely aligned to Scandinavian socialism, which is this sort of weird hybrid between um, you know, capitalist free market principles and redistribution. We're far more aligned with that right now than we are with, with Venezuela, where you had Chavez, prior to Maduro, redistributing all the nation's wealth while nationalizing its private industries and essentially just crippling and killing its economy. So I get we're not there, but the point is with this piece is to be provocative. Why couldn't it happen here? I mean, we're pursuing the same ideology, and I think you and I can both agree that everywhere it's ever been tried, it's an absolute, complete, utter disaster. 94 million people in the last 100 years alone have died at the hands of communism, which is social progression of socialism. You know, and so we're, we are, as a nation, embracing the same stupidity. And yet, you know, what do we always hear? Oh, you know, we'll, we'll do it right here. We'll do it right this time. You know, they didn't do it right. That was a third world banana republic. This is the United States. Here's the reality. That, that violence that you see in Venezuela, it, that doesn't come from the culture or, oh, gosh, gee, they're third world. That can't happen here. We'll be democratic about it. You always hear that. Democratic socialism. You heard some of those teens, those, those well, college well, teens tell the, too. Tell the folks what the difference between socialism and democratic socialism is. Uh, I, <laughs> there isn't one. Well, there is. There, there, it is well, one. Well, see, and, and, now, and this is what the libs try to say, that there's a difference. The only difference, folks, between democratic socialism and socialism is that democratic socialism you vote away your liberties and freedoms and never get them back regular see, old socialism is imposed upon you and you don't get a say in it well here's the thing though i would even challenge that definition i don't actually think there's a, a, a difference between the two because if you look at venezuela if you look at um you know some of these other places they did vote people in that took those things away from them. Bernie, or Sanders, they did Bernie Sanders is a self-avowed socialist. You vote mm -hmm. for and he is uh, he is elected and reelected. You are voting for absolutely. socialism when you put that crazy fiend oh, in into absolutely. office. Exactly. What I'm saying what I'm saying is when you look at so many examples of socialism in its purest form today, you could argue using the left's definition of democratic. You could argue that the Venezuela is a democratic socialist country, if you want to put it that way, because they elected Chavez and they elected Maduro. But there's a, but, there's a large exactly, and again, there is no practical difference because at the end of the day, you're still That's losing. You're losing your rights and your freedoms, and That's and, my point. and exactly what, what, what's what's the example? Oh yeah, we use this example uh, earlier on in the week to illustrate the fact that. You had Medicaid that was passed, mm -hmm. and it was passed. It was 2% of the budget and was only supposed to be set up to 
<laughs> to help a certain segment of the people. Then you mm-hmm. elect a socialist like Barack Obama says, oh yeah, I know you made that deal with Medicaid. I'm changing the deal. That's what you get with socialists. It's kind of like Darth Vader. Oh, you make a deal with Darth Vader, I'm altering the deal. And that's, that's exactly, exactly right. what happens when you well, elect a totalitarian socialist like Obama or Sanders or anybody else, Maduro exactly. or uh, uh, Chavez. That, and that's what people have to understand about our country is we may not necessarily be electing leaders that are, you know, throwing people in political prisons and mass. We're not doing that right now yet. But we are electing leaders that think it's OK for, for government to take sectors of the private sector over over and, and, and to have government be the be all end all solution to our problems. I pointed out in my piece, for example, the war on poverty. We spent twenty two trillion dollars of government involvement, government money on the war on poverty. And yet we're still sitting at 14 percent poverty rate. And Medicare, like you just mentioned, uh, 12 years. It's insolvent in 12 years from now. No money. Millions have lost their insurance under Obamacare. And and we're sitting on a pile of debt because of it. So, you know, it, we are setting ourselves up for this kind of scenario. And that's what if people all need of to these, understand. If all of these government programs <clears throat> actually worked, shouldn't, shouldn't they have worked by now? Shouldn't this have been a paradise by now? Why do you have to mandate any of it? Exactly. I mean, look at Obamacare. Why do you have to mandate buying insurance if it's so great? Why do you have, and this is exactly why you get violence and oppression in these socialist countries, because socialism doesn't work. Government involvement in all this crap doesn't work. So you increasingly need more force to enforce that, which doesn't work. Socialism, so, ideas that are so great, they have to be forced upon you by government. Um, exactly. And to your broader question about whether or not it can actually happen here, allow me to quote. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day, we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was like once in the United States where men were free. Men were free. Ronald, Ronald Reagan. Reagan said that. And yes, only one generation away. It's true. I mean, Venezuela, Venezuela is just one example. Venezuela was the richest country in South America. The richest. Number one. Yep. Nope. It, happen, it can happen anywhere. It can happen. That- you know what? Left, left, and you know what? Not only can it happen, but it will happen as long as you elect leftists. Wherever you elect leftists, liberals, progressives, whatever the hell they're calling themselves, communist, socialists, whatever they call themselves, wherever they are, whenever they are allowed to make policy, you will see a loss of liberty, a loss of rights, and a disintegration of the civilized society. Every single time. Well said. Exactly right. What is the name of the piece? It is Venezuela's Hell. Could it happen here? And it's up on my blog. I'll tweet it out after the segment. Tweet away. And I'm so glad you got AC back because, you know, didn't didn't want to spend another (laughs) week listening to your caterwauling. Oh, it's so oppressively hot here. Oh, Oh, my gosh. Have a great weekend. So mean. Have a nice Friday. <laughs> I shall. I shall. Mary Ramirez, everybody, here on the Chris Salcedo Show. We'll wrap things up with the man who still thinks you are stupid, Jonathan Gruber, the architect of Obamacare. Coming up next on the Salcedo Show. Reminding America that limited constitutional government is cool. The Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
listening to The Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. I've got some bad news, and I've got, well, more bad news. Uh, (laughs) Here's the bad news. Jonathan Gruber is still out there. And here's more bad news. He still thinks you're all stupid. He jumps on to the leader of the basket of bias, CNN, and utters the following. Look, before Donald Trump got elected, there were no markets in America, none, that did not have an insurer. Donald Trump has injected massive uncertainty into this market. By- Let me just stop right there. The, the downhill slide was well underway. There were plenty of markets that had only one choice, which is no choice. It was either one or nothing. One or be in violation of the law. So Jonathan Gruber is completely insane by saying there were no counties that didn't have uh, no choice or didn't have one insurer. Now listen to the reasons that Jonathan Gruber, again, the man who believes you're all stupid and banked on that when he crafted Obamacare, lied about Obamacare, and made sure the Democrat Party shoved Obamacare down your throats. Uncertainty into this market by being uncertain about whether he'll pay the cost-sharing reduction payments that make health insurance coverage affordable for low-income people, by not enforcing the mandate, by essentially just creating uncertainty about whether the law will even exist. So he's, so he's creating uncertainty. He's, he's making people get all bothered and very stressed out. And because they're getting so stressed out, there's no insurance anywhere to be found by anybody. It's because, no, no, he's done, he's, he has completely and 100% complied with the Obamacare legislation. He's continuing all the socialism that Barack Obama started. And he has to because he doesn't want to be accused by reprobates like Jonathan Gruber, again, who believes you're all stupid doesn't want to give reprobates like him any ammunition to say, the only reason Obama failed was because of Republicans. That's the only reason. Because they can never take responsibility for themselves. You see. Uh, Jonathan Gruber continued. These markets, there's more we could do to improve these markets, but let's be clear, Obamacare was not collapsing. Obamacare was not collapsing? When Donald Trump took office, the announcement just a few months prior had come out about 100%, 115%, 130% rate increases. Deductibles were skyrocketing. Availability was dwindling. And again, several counties in the United States had only one choice. One choice, which is no choices. It's either that or be in violation of the law. Jonathan Gruber, aside from being a condescending progressive who looks down his nose at you, the people who pay the freight in this country, is complete and utterly wrong. And I think it is notable who still thinks of him as an authority on Obamacare. CNN, the man who orchestrated, who was one of the architects of this law that is harming millions. And not only harming millions, uh, 
is also making sure that millions more don't even, 29 million people, according to Bernie Sanders, don't have insurance under universal health insurance passed by Gruber. How is that possible? How is that possible? Last year's big premium increase, the 22% increase, actually stabilized the markets. Insurers had reported that after last year's one-time increase, they're ready to make money on this market and it's going to be successful. He wants you to believe that only 22% rate increase, absolutely bubkiss. There were some states that had triple-digit increases. Complete joke, Jonathan Gruber. All right, remember everybody, society's worth not measured by how much power is seized by government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have a safe, have a happy, and great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. The Chris Salcedo Show on The Blaze. This is The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of the next generation of talk radio. This is The Blaze Radio Network.